I spent the week this week at the web.com tour event here in Columbus, and I got to say I was really impressed by the app, the PGA Tour app, that allowed me to see exactly where the guys were that I was trying to follow were on the course. I was impressed with how timely it was, too. You know, In the past, you know, some of these updates have not been very quick, but uh, very impressed with this. Make sure you're checking that out on the PGA Tour app. Also, before we get going, I want to mention uh, the new Odyssey O-Works Red and O-Works Black putters. Um, I've got one in my bag. I'm really enjoying it. We're going to talk a little bit more about this later in the show. But for now, let's get to DJ Pajowski. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. How do I sound? Professional podcasting. How does this I sound? Love it. It's DJ Pihowski, newly new addition on official basis to the No Laying Up family. Uh, how are we doing? Good. How are you, bud? I'm great. I'm so excited about my new equipment and you know how we're finally a professional organization, 95 episodes in. So <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Slipped right in uh, under the century mark there. I know. I kind of wanted to make it a hundred with uh, with crappy audio. No, I mean it's been a work in progress, as people know. And I kind of had it figured out when I had like an, uh, my old laptop, and then I changed to a temporary one, and then to a Mac, and then the programs weren't working right, and it's just been a mess. So uh, appreciate everyone's patience and a lot of feedback that we've gotten on the sound quality uh, has been taken note of, and we're, we're resolved. It's good to go. So. I think maybe maybe people don't say this enough, but the fact that you know you were, uh, what three years ago you were like a CPA working for like a major organization, and the fact that you even have a podcast that players have come on, all this stuff, like the whole thing's really pretty amazing to begin with. So I, I think the qualities should be the least of your concerns. Three years ago, three months ago, I was a CPA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, now that we're now we're somewhat legitimate it's time to get serious but uh in one of our legitimate moves we brought we uh brought in a guy to kind of start helping us with some of this stuff that is yourself uh why don't you i mean most people listen to this know who you are but uh and you've been on the podcast before obviously but talk a bit about uh what you're going to be doing for us or and, yeah. and, and how you got here you're in your path to to where we are today yeah definitely so i uh have have been working in golf media for about seven eight years something like that and the last five or six of which was was at the PJ Tour, um, working you know in a kind of a couple different capacities there, um, and basically was kind of looking you know to do my own thing for a long time and and you know just kind of struggling to figure out what that meant or what that thing was and so I was kind of looking you know in the mirror after a while and was like hey you know I've done this kind of a wide range of different stuff whether that's you know writing video social strategy photos like all kinds of different things and. Um, was kind of looking at, you know, groups like yourselves um, and, and kind of a lot of these small, smaller kind of organizations that are that are kind of up and coming and operating much more nimbly and and all of that stuff. And, and kind of looking at like, you know, I think a lot of these companies need kind of a Swiss Army knife style person who can who can help with a lot of different stuff that comes up on a day to day basis. So obviously was talking to yourselves and and uh, the Golfer's Journal as well, um, and just kind of, you know, floated the idea to you guys, hey, what, why don't we kind of make this official? And I don't know, I guess it's kind of an agency. It's kind of a freelance thing. It's I don't really know what to call it or, or what the model is. But yeah, it's going well so far. So yeah, we've we've done some fun stuff already. I know we got some 
some big stuff uh, in the works as well, just from a video standpoint, from a podcast standpoint, from a writing standpoint, all kinds of different things. So yeah, excited to, to get going. I think you just nicknamed yourself the Swiss Army Knife. I think we're going to run with that. <laughs> I kind of like that. So Yeah, it sounds great. I love it. Um, all right. Well, yeah, let's not get into too many spoilers about what's to come, but I think that people will agree it is uh, a lot of really good stuff. But I uh, wanted to do kind of a mailbag podcast. I know that a lot of people sent uh, some questions in for it, and I wrote about 3,700 words or something, which just is a giant waste <laughs> of time with mailbags. So kind of want to just get on the horn and talk through uh, some good – we got so many good questions, and I, we could honestly probably do it for about three hours, but we narrowed it down to about 15 or 20 questions we want to get through. But first, I kind of want to debrief – on pretty exciting week in golf um i want to start with the web.com tour event the nation nationwide children's hospital championship uh here in columbus at the scarlet uh i made it out friday saturday and sunday the conditions were pretty tough it rained it was cold it was windy it, it got pretty nice on sunday but um kind of felt like it was flying under the radar going into the week that peter uline was back from the european tour uh trying to get his pga tour card through the web.com finals he qualified on uh, non-member FedEx Cup points. He was between 126 and 200 on the list, and came into the week as the highest-ranked world ranking, uh, highest-ranked player in the field. And just Sunday, 65 to win his first ever Web.com event and get his card in one stop. I I just think that was kind of an important story in golf this week, and felt like it was uh, a bit under uh, flying under the radar going into the week. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, Uline is like one of my favorite guys. I mean, I think he and like I, I think Patrick Cantlay is kind of in that category too, where it's like these almost kind of hipster feeling. Uh, you you almost kind of feel like a hipster when you're a really big fan of those guys because you know they're these guys that have just all the talent in the world and kind of almost like when you, you get the feeling when you watch them play and when you watch them set up their schedules and stuff that like like they could be top five players like if they really wanted to be, but they kind of just like it almost feels like they kind of you know have other priorities. I know Cantlay obviously has issues with his back and stuff and is kind of resting for that purpose. But, you know, Uline, like your podcast with Uline is still maybe my favorite one. I mean, it's so good to hear his outlook on why he liked playing in Europe and, you know, why he didn't really mind kind of foregoing a couple years on tour and, and doing all that stuff. And I mean, it's just so cool that like, as soon as he was like, all right, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it now. I mean, he comes out and wins in his first event. It's just like so impressive. And, but you know, he's, He's been so impressive throughout his career. I mean, even even in Europe, he's he's played well. And before that, obviously, was like number one amateur in the world, won the amateur. You know, he's the best college player in the country. I mean, he's he's just been such a stud, like at every level. So, kind of, you know, I I, I forget. I think Porter's always kind of beating that drum on like, you know, look at what these guys have done on on every level, and and usually the the trend line kind of continues no matter no matter what as they as they kind of age with their competition. Yeah, I've gotten the chance to kind of follow him. I went and followed him a little bit in uh, in Ireland this year and at the British Open this year, and uh, I just I'm so impressed by it. and I just love how he just gets up and hits cuts everywhere, even if the whole dog legs right <laughs> to left, he just gets up and just hits a hits driver and hits like a power cut around the corner. And uh, man, he roll these young guys that roll it so well is what or what you know it's easy to kind of. I don't know, look past the other skills of these guys that really bomb it and the fact that he rolls it so well. And uh, I mean, I, I also just kind of pay attention to what um, other players say about players. And kind of when I tweeted that earlier this week about it, kind of people not talking about Uline being here, Emiliano Grillo was immediately like, yeah, they're playing for 24 spots. Like <laughs> he's going to get a spot. Like he, everyone kind of knows what level of talent that he is. But 
Um, I kind of wanted to to talk. Well, first, a lot of people were saying like, I don't know, I want to talk about this system and how it all works. And I know that in that podcast that he and I talked, I was kind of surprised at how much he did enjoy playing the European tour and how he wasn't in such a hurry to make it back. Um, and I think his kind of just perspective on, you know, he hadn't really been outside North America before he started traveling the world and the experience he got traveling the world for five years playing golf and playing really well along the way was just kind of second to none. And you can't really replace those life lessons. But I kind of, when I ran into him at the British, I was like, you know, what's your schedule like the rest of the year? And he's like, yeah, I'm doing this, this, and this and coming home for the web finals. And I was like, Oh, so you were just lying to me about how much you loved Europe. And <laughs> he said something along the lines. We got we had dinner on uh, two Wednesday night, and uh, he said something along the line. I was kind of giving him crap for 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 you know saying that. And he's like, yeah, you know, I went and played in Houston this year. I think it was Houston. Uh, he's like, I've never I've never made the cut in a tournament. Played Sunday, played well, had a good week, and was home for dinner on Sunday night. And I was like, you know what, <laughs> this is kind of nice. And I just kind of, that kind of hit home with me. It was kind of like, I don't know, all the, all the factors that go into the decision-making for these guys and um, yeah, him kind of seeing the appeal of, of being stateside, of being home. And uh, after going out and seeing the world, I, I can relate to that. I can really relate to that. So for sure. And I, I think just, you know, obviously I've never done it on the European side, but just from kind of traveling with the tour a ton, I mean, it's, it's one of those things too, where you, you go for the first year, two years, three years, and you know it's it's the coolest thing in the world and you're going to all see all the sites and you're going to different restaurants and you're going to do all this different stuff and then you know by the fourth year you're at the same tgi fridays in akron that you've been at like <laughs> the last four years and you're like okay this, this, I'm, I'm good I, I think i got it and uh, i mean he's got to feel a little bit of that you know he's been out there for what three years or so kind of doing his thing so five you know, he said i mean five is it really wow. challenge tour i think and the and the european tour i know he had some some and some injuries along the way and kind of delayed uh this you know this actual arrival but uh i kind of want to talk to you a bit about the system and and how i you know i couldn't help i i've kind of harped on the fact that we have this system between the pga tour and web tour that sent uh, two of our really good top young american players to go play elsewhere and that Uline was just not interested in playing the web tour. And, you know, like just for a guy of that talent level, you know, going and playing in Boise and stuff like that is just wasn't that appealing to him. And he, and he that's what kind of sent him overseas. And uh, it just feel like there's a lot of factors working against him. And they ended up t like, you know, people say like you play, like play well enough, things will take care of themselves and you'll get places to play and everything. But just couldn't help. I got like a bad feeling, like the fact that he was been gone this long comes back and like in his first shot, like makes it like abundantly clear as to what his talent level is to be like, yeah, I show up and yeah, he won by one. Thanks to, you know, Ryan Armour bogeyed the last hole for him to win, but just kind of shows up and wins immediately to qualify for the tour. It was kind of like, this is a guy that should have, should be out there. Shouldn't we have found a way? Now, I'm not saying specifically for you line. I'm saying for a player of that talent, shouldn't there have been a, a better path to the, to the PGA tour? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a tough one. And I think a lot of it kind of comes down to I think a lot of it comes down to kind of the intangibles, like you said, I think for him, you know, he was super excited about the idea of going and and playing overseas and and doing all that stuff for kind of the first time in his life. I think some guys are just not comfortable doing that. And I think they are way more comfortable in in Boise and in Omaha and Kansas City and figuring that stuff out and and kind of you know, doing traveling, you know, driving from event to event and doing that kind of stuff like works for them as well. And so, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I mean, for every, 
for every, I mean, Uline's kind of a standout, I think, just because he's, you know, he was the best amateur player in the world and all that stuff. But I mean, he, for every one of him, you know, there is another guy who kind of goes through the web tour process and comes out and, and wins and, and does all this stuff. And then kind of, you know, says, Hey, like I couldn't have done this without playing on the right. web tour. And some of that, you know, feels contrived and some of it, you know, whatever feels kind of like marketing, but I think a lot of it is, I mean, I think there is a lot of, a lot to it. I mean, learning yeah, you, how to, even, you know, even yeah. not in the media guys rave about like privately will say, Oh no, I needed that year on the web tour. I needed to learn. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I get that. I totally get that. But I just feel like, I don't know, just, just the Kepka Uline thing. And maybe it's just such a small group of people that it's not worth kind of, you know, you know, dying on this hill over, but I just felt like, well, just and that's something sour about it. Am yeah, I right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. And like, I, I don't know what, if, you know, I don't know if it's just that those two, it, it was kind of those two, like right at the time that they made the changes and they almost kind of became like these louder than necessary, like examples. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that that many right. guys are like going to do that now. If they are, like, I haven't really followed them or paid attention. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I almost think it's just because those were the first two guys. And it was right at that time that they kind of stuck out as these, like, big examples for this alternate path that I'm not sure, like, that many guys have really taken since. Yeah. It's probably not worth beating the drum on. But uh, <laughs> I did after uh, after he won, after, you know, he came off the course uh, and just, and we talked briefly and he was just, he, he so he birdied 11, 12, 14, and 15 and went after a pin on the 220-yard uh, 17th hole, a back right pin with a right-to-left wind, and he just stuffed it. Like he, It was an <laughs> insane shot, and he missed the birdie putt. And he, he kind of looked at me afterwards. He's kind of like, I won't repeat what he said. He's kind of like, he, <laughs> he, he, he like, felt like he missed an opportunity. He thought he, you know, if he makes that putt, he probably wins. And then Armour went and bogeyed it. And then he comes out and he's like, yeah, my web.com tour career is over. And <laughs> I was like, well, wait, wait a second here. Like you, you still a lot of, you, you're going to want to play the rest of the web finals. Like if you get, if you win the web finals, you get into the players and your priority goes way up. So I think he legitimately thought after he won that he was going to skip the rest of the events. <laughs> I was uh, thinking about that. I, I don't know what he would. Uh, yeah, there's still a lot to play for, but it yeah. would be tempting to take some time off. Too, I'm sure. I'd imagine. But just yeah. that's the so that's the the kind of low key crazy thing about the the web tour. Like I, I was talking to some guys about it that are that are off this week, and you know you you play super hard to get your tour card, and then it's like you know you you basically like like. Uh, if you look at the web tour schedule, these guys have played basically, you know, 15 weeks in a row, 14 weeks in a row, something like that. Yeah. And because it's the web tour, it's a limited schedule, all that stuff. I mean, you kind of have to play all of those, right? So, right. so you're going to do all that. Then you play the web tour finals. And then if you get in, then all of a sudden, like it's the next week is a safe way. And like, you've just got to stay on your horse for so long. Whereas like, if you do have your web tour card kind of locked up for next year, you know, and you don't end up getting your PJ tour card, it's kind of nice to take like three months off before the season kicks back up. So it's kind of like, it's a kind of a weird spot. A lot of these guys are in it's, it's win-win obviously, but it's, it's kind of strange. It's a fight for those priority positions though, too, because they matter. That's just where a oh, lot of, sure. a lot totally. of where the field lines get drawn. So yeah, that's why you got to just keep, keep your foot on the gas for like yeah. six straight months. If you're the last one making it in, uh, in, in, you know, getting a card, you're not necessarily getting to play a ton of events. So for sure. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun week. It was just kind of cool to see, you know, I've been to a lot of, a lot of like big tournaments this summer and, uh, to kind of just see an event where there was like almost no fans out there and just see the grind of, you know, I just have so much respect for all those dudes on that grind and just, 
like the caddies and just, you, you know, it all looks so glorious, especially on the PGA tour. Then you can just fall down, fall back one level and see, see the level of grind. It's just, it's super impressive. And yeah, I mean the, the web tour caddy life yeah. is like, that's like as real as it gets. Right. I, I saw like they, they were like, essentially like their caddy shack was like a garage there. And I was just oh, like, yeah. man, like, yeah, that's, you just, you just, you just forget some of that stuff. So it's um, crazy. And then what's even worse is, you know, you see guys like get their cards and then switch like dump their caddy and switch to someone else it's like it's it's like investing at some point you know like you gotta just like hit your hit your wagon to the right guy uh last thing i wanted to note from the web was i went out and caught zb on friday morning and it was just an unseasonably cold day i left because it was so cold and i had a sweater on and uh it's blowing like it's 220 and it's blowing into into his face on this the par three eighth and he just hits this three iron he is like on the cut line first of all he's not balling out like he's he's not like <laughs> crushing it and uh he hits this three iron and while it's midair he just turns he's just count it and <laughs> <laughs> didn't even watch it land i mean it was a sick shot but it ended up like 15 feet away and he didn't make the birdie but it was just i mean he was just super pumped to hit that shot it was it was it was cracking me up there's that, that's a kind of vibe out there he's god he like i think he legitimately plays so much better when he's got someone to kind of like show off to a little bit like there was what <laughs> he sent us he sent us a video of himself playing the bmw a couple years ago uh, I think last time it was at Conway and there's a par three. Is it 17? I think Yeah. he, uh, he was playing in like a Sunday morning. It's like early, um, you know, he's like one of the kind of the first ones going off or whatever. And the cameras just happen to catch it for like PJ tour live or something. And he just flushes this tee shot. And as soon as it leaves the club face, he goes, Oh, that's a fucking ace. That's an ace. And it, <laughs> and, and it hit the stick and like should have gone in. And he was like legitimately upset it didn't go in. Just, that is a great so clip. Good. That is a great clip. No, it was fun. It was fun. I went and followed Luke Guthrie for a few holes, ZB, and just you know, some, of the, some of the guys we know. And just, uh, it's just, it's a fun to just kind of go to like a laid back laid back event vibe like that but um let me say this how about 17 minutes here of web tour on a week that jt won for you I, that's great I, it's i'm just holding it all back like it's i just love it man up. you're 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 very well rounded these it's just, days it's just building up um all right that's a good transition why don't we get to <laughs> the next hour and a half that we're going to spend on <laughs> dell technologies uh last thing two things i noted down was peter uline's gone from 279th in the world at the start of the season to 74th i just found that climb pretty pretty interesting um and the kepka thing is going to get destroyed much like some of the golf narratives uh but we're going to get to that as one of the questions but before we break down the Dell Technologies, I want to get back into what I mentioned at the top of the show regarding the Odyssey O-Works putter and the new micro hinge face insert. Now, I've experienced a lot of gains in technology and other parts of my game, but never really thought about how much goes into your putter and the technology behind it. But the new technology in this putter changes the way people look at the roll off of the putter face. And I talked about in the past how I feel like I can give the ball a much better stroke. The ball kind of comes off soft, and there's incredible gains in topspin and roll at impact, uh, regardless of how you stroke the ball. And I feel like I can hit putts a lot more firm, get them on a better line. And the stainless steel micro hinge plate is co-molded into a thermoplastic elastometer feel layer. Try to say that. Uh, this is like my third attempt trying to say it. Uh, it really has made a significant change for me. I'm excited about it. Go check out more at odysseygolf.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. Um, 
Okay, the big the big takeaway really for me for the Dell is that Tron is going to be an official sketcher <laughs> official sketchers brand ambassador. Brand ambassador. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Very good for him. Yeah, I, I I I muted the bet down. He wanted to do like wear sketchers for the entire weekend, including to dinner, for our Leishman <laughs> versus JT final round. But I I just did not want to be. I was like, I don't want to do it. And he's like, yeah, that's why it's a good bet. And uh, Leishman went out in 30, and I was looking up what brand, what style of Stetchers I was going to have to buy. But fortunately, Leishman had a rough back nine. But uh, uh, I, know you're, I know you're working on setting up some good golf for Chicago, so it's, it's even better when yeah. he's going to have to play those, those classic courses and uh, his Skechers. Um, so, yeah, I, I got a few things written down here about what to talk about with Adele. But, I mean, the, the first thing I wrote is like, this is just this is getting absurd. It's kind of getting absurd with the run that JT is on, and I say this every time he wins now about how I've kind of felt too close to it and not really fully realized how how talent. I mean, I knew how talented he was, but to match your talent to your success is a different thing. And uh, to win five times a major and now a, a playoff event, um, I don't know. I just I, I keep saying I, I I couldn't. I didn't see this coming. I mean, the guy's got. Six PJ Tour wins at the age of 24. That's like that's one less than Justin Rose has in his entire PJ Tour career. And I I know Jay Rose plays a lot in the European Tour, but Rose has like 300 career PGA Tour starts. Uh, that's this is not a shot at Rose. I just that picked out a name that was kind of like an interesting oh, comparison for, sure. for how many wins that is. It's nuts. I mean, I I am in the same the same boat. I for sure would have lost a lot of money on the JT will be Player of the Year bet. Um, I mean, it's it's awesome to watch. I mean, I think that you know, without getting too much into into the hyperbole, I mean, I think he like, I think when he wins, it feels a little bit like when Dustin wins, to where like, I mean, I was going through his stats and stuff. I mean, he just did, like he just did everything great, and like like when he does that, I mean, it's like it's kind of like a different game. Like it's just hard for anybody to to run him down like that, and and you know, you feel that way when when Dustin has it going too, I mean, they, they just drive the ball so well that like, you know, they just drive the ball so well that, you know, it lowers the chances of any greens they're going to miss because they're so much closer. And, you know, when they are missing greens, then, you know, on these weeks where they do like that, they, you know, JT got up and down 20 out of 21 times, which is like <laughs> laughable. <laughs> like, <Not fair. laughs> like it literally makes both of us laugh when you hear that stat. And it's like, uh, I mean, it's just like, how are you going to, how are you going to beat that guy? And so like, you know, I know we'll feel the same way. Like if, if Dustin comes and wins next week, like it's a similar feeling, you know, but it's just, it's turning into the tour in a, in a cool way is turning into, you know, it's, it's these three, four five guys that like one of them just seems to be clicking every week. And like, you know, there's not really much that anybody else can do about it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's almost, I mean, I don't know if this is cliche to say, but I feel where we're at with JT is in that it, it kind of, you could see nerves down the stretch for him back when he was young is what I was about <laughs> to say. But like before he had kind of gone into this stretch where, you know, you could just see him kind of battling nerves and nerves are always going to exist uh, coming down the back nine of a, of a tournament on the, on the tour. But now he's been there enough where I feel like he's over this hump of it feeling new. And like, I felt like he grew up a lot between the U S open and the PGA, you know, handling that final round. He played about as poorly as he could on that Sunday at Aaron Hills. And he, the, his response to that at the PGA was beyond impressive. Like it was just a completely complete transformation. Now I feel like we're kind of through the looking glass on 
on and he's realized what his potential is and running off a win like this seems incredibly routine to him already for sure and that's yeah exactly I, I feel the same way about you know watching the u.s open on sunday i mean i know we were all kind of texting about it but i was kind of looking at that almost like a little smarmy and kind of like oh see like you know he's not quite there yet let's just chill and then yeah i mean he just makes me look like an idiot like he just it does everything the right way these last kind of th- two three months it's just it's been awesome to watch i'm i'm it's exciting to exciting to watch it it's amazing that he was i mean i i, I made the point at the time last year that i don't think he did enough to deserve to be on the Ryder cup team last year but it's kind of amazing to think like he's about to play in his first team event next <laughs> like this month and it's that's true and i i know it's different but I, I the comparison i came up with and i was trying to illustrate yesterday about you know age 24 season five wins and winning a major in one year Granted, there is the speed thing. You know, he won two two majors, five events in one year at age twenty two. So it's different. But just like imagine like how, and I know he did it in a very different way. But imagine how much we freaked out. People freaked out about Anthony Kim and like his rise, right? This like, young, brash American. And again, I know it's different. Like Kim's swagger was just completely off the charts. But I feel like it's just we're we're you know for American golf fans to have. Like and, I, and I'm trying so hard not to do the JT Spieth parallel right now, which we'll get into. But um, just to have these like two guys emerge as these top young players, DJ is obviously you know the number one player in the world, and and but he's a different age bracket. He's 33 years old, I think. But just to have these two young guys to kind of you know root for and whatnot, it's pretty it's pretty exciting. So definitely, those guys are bu- the buddies too, which makes it cool. So <laughs> I, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out a way to word this to see where we are on this thing where I, I I think the way to say it is the jokes about the jokes about the jokes of the buddy thing <laughs> are tired. I think that's what, fa- yeah. that's the phase we're yeah, in. Yeah. Totally. And it's reached Jeff Knox status. Yeah. It's, it's like, I hate even making the jokes about it now because people aren't, I don't know. Like it's, 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 it's laughable. I just can't believe that, there's so little self-awareness like in the media, on television. And I mean, Hicks, I think, said it like a three times during one hole at one point yesterday. <laughs> and uh, man, it's just it's just unbelievable. I want to be I want to see people be like, look, they're they're friend. They're not like best friends. I know Speed said that in the press conference. I was like, you know, they're, he's one of my best friends. But it's like like JT and Ricky are closer than than JT and Spieth are as far, far as far as far as I can tell and I mean they got to be like Spieth has that kind of sense of humor where I could see him just trolling, trolling. Oh I yeah. totally agree I totally yeah. agree which is great which does make it like that's kind of a you know a rare win in in this whole column for us here but yeah um it, it's it's hard cuz I always struggle with I always struggle with you know removing myself cuz I know that I live in like a giant echo chamber um yeah because I watch golf for 50 hours a week. But um, like, I always try to talk about it like the way my dad would talk about it. My dad is like the most average golf fan in the world. And like, I know that he's already tired of this. So like, that means, all right, it's, it's time to stop. We got it. <laughs> That's a good sign. Um, just an overall observation. And I'm not going to get into details of how the point system work. How is JT not leading the FedEx cup? <laughs> I mean, I know he's barely behind speed and I know speed basically finished. I think he finished second to him. Yeah. Um, I, so I understand a little bit about how that works, but just amazing to me that he, how many, that times not, does, how many wins does Spieth have this year? Three? I think three. Yeah. So yeah. it's still pretty remarkable, but, um, 
did you get this? I don't know how much did you see of the 12th hole? I mean, uh, or what do you think about like the way some of the players, like JT, especially Rom, I think played it this way where he just, they bombed it into 13 fairway to get around the trees and get, avoid kind of the strategy elements of the hole. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of players were not thrilled about this hole. I didn't see too many players actually play it. Um, I did a deep dive on kind of the shot link, just like how it's laid out, where the pins are, where guys were making birdies from and, and that kind of stuff. And, and, did a good amount of kind of texting with people about it and stuff. And I don't know. I mean, it, it did like, I think Zach Blair had kind of the best take on it that it just looked like it was laid out backwards. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got this kind of center line bunker, which is skews to the right side, which means the right side of the fairway is, is way skinnier, but there's no reward. Like your angle gets like way worse from, going over on that side of it which you got to cover that bunker you got to do all this stuff and it doesn't make sense like i don't know i'm not i'm not crazy about uh guys like you know playing from the wrong fairway uh i think that's kind of a ugly kind of an ugly look but yeah. i get it i mean if you got you know you you're playing for as much money as you are and all that stuff i mean i get i get why you do it and actually i'm looking at the shot link stuff now and the guys who played it from over there were basically like it looks like there were two doubles and one birdie and the rest were pars. So, I mean, it's, um, that's better than the field average, Yeah, you know? So I, I don't know. It's, it, did you get to see much of it? I know it, the fairway was kind of canted like downhill. Right. And you're like, so if you hit the left side, you kind of like had an awkward, like downhill lie, which sucks. Like the, I don't know. The whole thing just doesn't seem like it was like, it, it seemed like a good idea when you look at kind of like the overhead view and then from that guys actually playing it sounded like it was pretty awful well I, I part of me wishes i didn't read this i was literally was reading an article before we came on it's uh jaime diaz's piece for golf world mm-hmm. and it's just called the great divide i think it just went up and i was reading it as we got started and now i feel like i'm stealing all the takes from it but i think uh i think people should read this and just kind of how 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 thin the line is because of what technology has made the game between setting a hole up difficult and it getting away from you and the players you know bitching about yeah, it and for sure it's just, it's a really interesting article and I don't want to steal too much from it because I think just Jaime nails it as he normally does and fighting, fighting this bomb and gouge era, um, you know, and of course that otherwise is kind of a generally favors the long players, you know, it's always going to be met with any changes that are going to be, you know, players are going to bitch about the changes. That's just, that's just what happens. That's, it's it happens every course. And I don't know, it's just interesting to see the thought process Gil hands put into it, um, into, you know, trying to make this hole more challenging for the players. And uh, yeah, I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it was executed properly, but the, the, the challenge of, of designing a hole that's essentially for the pros that, you know, it's not, it's for 1.00001% of the golfing world. And you got to try to design these holes to be challenging for, for them. Like, come right. on. It's a, it's impossible task. No, it really for sure. is. And I, I think that they play this hole like as a par five for the members, which as a par five, you look at it and you're like, Oh, that's actually kind of cool. Um, but as a par Pars four, are relevant. Par is irrelevant. Par is right. irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, when you, I guess when you're playing a par five for guys who hit it much shorter and you're thinking of it as a three shot hole, I think it's kind of cool. But when you have, um, I don't know the thing that, that kind of bugs me or bums me out about a hole like this is like, I do think that this is closer to what the tour needs than, than a lot of the stuff that we see. And, you know, when you got guys kind of walking off the hole and saying like, Hey, I hit, I hit driver, I hit four iron, I hit 
three wood. I hit, you know, I had this in, I had this in like, and, and it's kind of confusion and variety. Like that's awesome. Like that, that is so cool and doesn't happen very much, but when it's done poorly, like it just does so much more damage than good because you know, the, the narrative around this now is like, Oh, what a terrible hole because they kind of try to do something different. And so it just sucks when you have an opportunity to do something different like this and to inject strategy into a golf course like this and, and kind of, get people talking about like the right things and they walk away kind of talking about the wrong things. Like it's just, that's a bummer. And it kind of leads us to more of the kind of hit it long straight yeah. kind of robot golf that, that we see so much of on tour. And I mean, I was, I was texting with texting with some guys about it and asking, you know, kind of what, like what are the most strategic holes you guys play on tour? And I mean, like the list was so short that it was, it was like <laughs> hard to come up with answers. I mean, it's like number nine at Hilton head, and number 10 at Riviera. And other than that, it's like, you know, it's a pretty short list, you right. know, as, as far as thinking about options off the tee and, you know, how different pins affect things and all that stuff. So as someone that spent their summer playing in the UK where you're, you're, everything is like options off tee and right. factoring in fairway bunkers. It is like, I'm, I'm becoming especially woke to, I've been slow coming around to the technology issue and now it's it's like it, it it now I'm realizing just the depth of how big it goes, how far the problem goes, and how how wide it how wide reaching it is, and uh, and then this is the kind of things you're going to see. And I don't think it's necessarily necessarily good for the game, but uh, but yeah, um, you had mentioned it, and you mentioned Patrick Cantley earlier, but you mentioned a quick stat. And I just wanted to mention on air that he, Patrick Cantley hasn't missed a cut this year. That's yeah. remarkable. He's the man. He might be. He might be the third best player in the world behind uh-huh. Spieth and Dustin. Okay, I'm just gonna skirt skirt <laughs> past that. Um, no, he like. Uh, I love watching Cantlay. I think he's like. I I was trying to make the point. It was not well received that Patrick Cantlay is like the hipster version of Spieth in that they play the game very similarly. I think they they putt it like crazy. They're great iron players. They they like kind of hit it medium length, but you know, kind of think kind of think courses to death and like it's just i don't know it's awesome that you know he got his status at tampa and then only ended up playing what seven more events than that or something like that and uh i i assume i mean i haven't talked to him but i assume a lot of that is limiting because of his back and trying not to put too much pressure on that and kind of gearing up for the end of the season here but to do like you know it's almost kind of the opposite of what you see with a lot of these web guys we were talking about status and stuff where it gets so hard when you don't get into a routine. Like it's almost easier to play every week because you kind of get in a routine and you get like, you get things going when you're only playing kind of every third week, every fourth week, whatever. It just is so hard to have any kind of consistency. And the fact that, yeah, I mean, he's, he's done that this year without missing any cuts. It's just awesome. I, I would love to see him more and more and more. So hopefully he plays well these next couple of weeks too. Shout out to Paul Casey for the best club twirl of the year. Just just let one loose that I I just had to assume <laughs> that he flagged it. And it was like 20 yards short of the green and 20 yards left of the flag. Like the camera had to pan out to find the flag. Johnny Miller was like, there's a club twirl. And then he's like, well, I'm not sure what he's twirling about. And I think that's a low-key tour sauce move also is, is uh, like a tour sauce to like because you're embarrassed to like cover up a bad shot. Like I've definitely, <laughs> I've definitely done that. Oh, you know? I, but I, I can never been able to relate more to a, a club twirl on a shot that misses the green. So uh, here's a, here's a real quick thing that we should just get on the record. Paul Casey needs to win something, man. Like what's your stat? He is 12 of the last 14 in the top 25. 
12 of yeah 12 of his last 14 events were top 25s one of those that was outside the top 25 was a 26th at the u.s open <laughs> the other one was like 41st or something so yeah like i don't know the last time he missed a cut and he's like it's it's funny to th- i don't know i mean i know we talk about kind of narratives plenty but if paul casey was a 22 year old kid from oklahoma state or something like right imagine what people would be doing to him about like this guy just he can't win he just he gets so close but he just can't do it but because he's like established paul casey who's been around for you know 10 15 years he's just like oh yeah cool another good week and it's it's just wild that he like it's like almost statistically impossible that he hasn't won since i think he won in korea like i don't know four years ago three years ago something like that it's like it's nuts he's he's playing like some of the best golf on the planet yeah um before we move off the Dell, I think I think I just want to mention that we need to have some kind of tour sauce intervention. Um, <laughs> there was a sh- shoot, I've lost it. Somebody said something to me today. It's like if everything is sauce, then nothing is sauce. Yeah. And the amount of stuff I've got to filter through on a weekend of how like just calling random things tour sauce that are not tour sauce. Like if you need two people, just go back to the original post, learn what it is. Well, golf channel this morning. This, is on, this golf- is on you as an educator. No, I've done, I've written four primers on it. Like, what do I have to do? Uh, <laughs> golf Channel this morning, they uh, they were doing something about longest dri- best golf drives, like routes to play good golf, and they just called one of them tour sauce. It's like we're killing it here, guys. You're ruining it. It's it's <laughs> it might be dead. The sauce might be dead. So, uh, just want to put a couple last few things, and then we'll get to some questions. Um, Bubba took. Somewhere between one million and one point two million is what the what the, the I heard through the grapevine um, from Volvic to play their golf balls this year. Uh, he made less than that on tour this year, and it's his lowest career lowest earnings in a season since two thousand and six. Uh, if people are wondering why I'm so hard on that, it was one of the one of the most questionable decisions to ever ever be made uh, by a top professional <laughs> golfer. So um, yeah, I don't have much reaction no. to that other than. That's, some bad investing i mean it's I just it's there's a reason why i keep hammering it it's like dude what what are you doing here man this is wild i mean you are one of the best ball strikers on the planet and just you went out and barely tested a golf ball and took some took a pile of cash to play colored golf balls so questionable <laughs> it's like, credit, it's like predatory best. lending yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh last uh where, if i answer this as quickly as you can Okay. Where do you think DJ ranks on the career all-time PGA Tour earnings list? Uh, I already saw your stat. Or you, oh. I think you oh, texted me or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it's insane. He's sixth yeah. and almost fifth on career earnings. Insane. If you ever get bored, just go to the career money leaders uh, on the PGA Tour list. It's, oh, it's fascinating. It's Zach Johnson is 11th, $42.4 million. Uh, Matt Kuchar's 13th. David Toms is 12th. David Toms has been passed by a few guys in recent. He was like seventh at one yeah. point. Uh, Spieth is already twentieth. Like uh, it's it's wild. Rory Sabatini has made thirty million dollars on tour. I mean, it, it's it it just will blow your mind. So go spend some time on that. Is uh has anybody done like a career money list adjusted for inflation? Uh, probably. I'm sure like Jake Nichols has got something on that, but that, that would, would be, be interesting awesome. to read. Um, all right, you ready for questions? Sorry, 30-something minutes in before we got to any. There's a lot to talk about in golf. I wasn't planning on all that. No, it's great. What uh, a time to be alive. Seriously. Um, <laughs> Grant Hamill had the, had the first one. Power rank the worst golf narratives used during a TV broadcast. And he threw in a couple of the Spieth, 
JT, buddies, Sam Saunders, DJ, athlete. Uh, do you have a power rankings? Um, of those three, my no, I would... it, it can be anything. You can, oh, you can just okay, do a few okay. an, few examples yeah, yeah. out there. Um, so this is a power rankings of the ones I I like to hear about the least or the the most cringeworthy, right? Yeah, the worst the worst golf narratives is what he says. Yeah. All right, I would say JT. Yep. Jordan would be number one. Um, I I I always like the juxtaposition. It's not really a narrative. It's just a kind of a funny one from the broadcast. But the juxtaposition of uh, how dark it is in reality versus how dark the cameras <laughs> make it look, I think, is a good one. Uh, Sam Saunders, it, you know, it it doesn't bother me. It it does bother me because you know, again, I watch so much golf, but like. And it's really a pretty big deal when you think about it. So it's it's uh, worth mentioning, but it's yeah, not worth mentioning sure. every time. And it doesn't define. I just feel. I mean, I feel for Sam because it's like it doesn't define who you are as a person. And it's kind of you know the way people um, like. There's a bunch of like jokes about. There was something that went out. It was um, I forget. It's like a, a Bears one of the a guy that uh, a Bears player's wife won like an Olympic medal. And that was the headline, like Bears player's <laughs> wife is making a name for herself and uh, like didn't say her name. Apparently, like, she's, apparently she's not. And like, yeah. And if, if Sam won, it would be like oh, yeah. Arnold Palmer's grandson won a golf tournament. It just, it, it's, it's, it's gotta be hard for him. I don't know. I just, I, I just feel bad for him in that scenario. And that he, he must be like just mega well-adjusted to be able to even like function with all that going around him all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like think about how few people. This is very obvious, but think about what percentage of golfers make it to the PGA Tour, and like the fact that he's done that, just like even made it to the tour, is like phenomenal. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I kind of feel the same way about Uline. With yeah, exactly. All his connections with you know the fact that he actually is a world beater, like, and also kind of has all the resources in the world through through his family and stuff is like, that's that's really cool. I love yeah. when guys do that. Um. I'm with you there. Uh, anything a, a Spaniard can breathe, <laughs> and it can get compared to Seve. I Just mean, like a guy who's been to Spain or is playing in Spain. Yeah. yeah. If you've ever set foot on, or if you've heard of the cu- the country of Spain, <laughs> then anything you do is somewhat comparable to Seve. <laughs> Seve would be proud. Even Johnny Miller dropped one of them yesterday. Yeah, it was just a bad like, look. I know, Johnny. Come on, you're you're but you're better than this. You're above all this. Uh, yeah, that 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 might be my least favorite, especially around the Masters last year. That was that was absolutely abused. Um, it's just so. Yeah, it's just I so, hope this like, isn't viewed easy. as disrespectful to Arnie and Seve. I think it's the opposite. It's like right, not yeah, everything exactly. that these guys yeah. do is comparable to these guys. We get it. Well, it it kind of cheapens like when you right. just throw all of it around so much. Like it just cheapens like the actual good stuff. It, yeah, it's just, and yeah. it's not. We get it. Like you, the like, announcers are older than we are, and they watch these legends, and they're trying to do their best for for their, these names to live on in, in eternity. But, man, you're kind of ruining it, just to, just saying. <laughs> uh, I got two DJ ones on here. DJ's track man with his wedges. He's been practicing that a lot. <laughs> and DJ can dunk. Big athlete. He's an athletic guy. <laughs> DJ also, like, he's so athletic, though, that, like, that one doesn't bother me either. Because I'm like, yeah, every time I look at it, I'm like, yeah, no, that's true. Like, he, he is a freak of nature. Yeah. Um, yeah, the track man, thing, the track man thing's funny. I don't know. I, I also kind of quietly revel in a lot of these things too when they when they reach like meme status like i i don't know i I also just it does make me laugh like there's kind of a point of 
not diminishing returns, but the opposite of that, where it actually, I think, gets it comes back around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like the Omega commercial. Like I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hated it, and then it came back around. Um, and then, yeah, exactly. And then you're like, you know, am I really like enjoying this that much less than whatever else was going to be on in this in yeah. its place? Like, yeah, whatever. Um, this was a good one from Harry Arnett. I wanted to put this in the mailbag, but I couldn't. I couldn't write it as well as we can just talk about it. What imagined silly season events would you like to see once the President's Cup is over? Oh, all right. You start on this one. I got to think about this. Well, so A, but I wanted to pick your brain on this too because you kind of have a better, your your experience with the tour, has a, you have a better understanding of how these things work. So uh, the way I kind of see it is the game just priced out uh, like these battle at the bridges or whatever money these guys used to get for these made for TV events. It seems like they just play for so much money as it is that the appeal for those is not necessarily there. But so, so it may not be realistic to say, let's bring back battle at the bridges or battle at Bighorn or all that stuff. And it may not be that interesting, but with the twist I wanted to put on it, and there's only a few people here that will understand this, but have pros go play a betting game. And if I could pick one, <laughs> Wolfhammer would be absolutely fascinating. And we've got a video that's going to come out that explains Wolfhammer. It's too difficult to explain. Uh, it, well, this podcast is going to be long enough as it is, but it's difficult to explain all the rules. But essentially, you play Wolf, but you also have this hammer item where you can allow, essentially allows in-hole presses. And their strategy is to when you use it or whether or not you accept the press and which doubles it, etc. But yeah, imagine, it's, it's imagine Phil. Wolf with Wolf yeah. with exponential junk. Yes, and you can get like extra points for yeah. hitting, you know, fairway green and par or better, or like sandies and all this stuff. And but imagine Phil. So they, they, obviously, if there's a betting element to it, the money's got to got to go to charity or something like that. Um, I don't. Ah, I don't think so. Well, I, the, well <laughs> okay. All right, if we want to just completely suspend reality, then yeah, let's yeah. just have players bet their own money. But imagine <laughs> Phil out there like betting, and then you get to, they're mic'd up, so you hear what the bets are, you hear all the points, and uh, that would that would be more fascinating to me than just like a stroke play or match play event along you know would be rather insignificant. Um, yeah. And yeah, if people knew the, all the rules of Wolfhammer, you would be. So we I played some this weekend with two guys that had never played before. And the guy that lost the, the most money, uh, Frankie P, shout out, uh, he, he called another one of our guys afterwards to say how much fun he had because it's like that much, it's <laughs> that good of a game. So stay tuned. It's the, gonna, the most dangerous game. Most dangerous game. We've got a video coming out on this soon, and we'll explain all the rules. But a lot of people, there was another question we got. It was like, what's the best betting game? And that is, the answer is Wolfhammer. I never want to play golf again without playing Wolfhammer. And shout out to the guys at Greenville Country Club. Uh, GH, Wes, and Cheney that introduced us uh, to that because it's honestly the most fun game. I'm t- GH is in, in, they're all in Scotland right now, and I'm texting them throughout the day, like, what's the rule on this? Because it, <laughs> it gets way out of control. But I want to see pros play Wolfhammer. That'd be great. I think there's a couple, a couple wild things you could do. And as far as like keeping it realistic, I mean, one thing, you know, I was, I've, I think about this kind of frequently. Like, I, I'm really bummed that, you know, the Ricky Rory Detroit expedition or like exhibition that was supposed to supposed yeah. to happen last year that didn't really come together like i wish that would have come together just as like a proof of concept just right. to like just to show like and, and maybe it wouldn't have worked and maybe that's why i don't really know why they pulled the plug or whatever but maybe that's you know maybe that's why maybe it wasn't gonna be feasible but i would love to get something like that off the ground just to show you know just to show like what is possible and how it's okay to stray from this stuff and i think i think zurich was a good example of that this year where it's like you know, it's just so there's so much money in these title sponsorships. There's so much money in TV deals, all this different stuff that like 
you know, it's, it's hard to feel comfortable breaking from the norm. And it was so cool to see Zurich and, you know, you had this kind of like a pretty wild format. Like it was so different than anything else. And they got all the stuff figured out. They got all the FedEx cup points figured out and all blah, 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 all that stuff. And like, it worked and you know, nobody died and it was great. <laughs> and like, it was awesome to, to see that stuff. So I would love to see more. And I think like, you know, the, the quote unquote silly season is kind of the, the place to do it. So like a couple things that I think would be cool. And I don't think, you know, you, you wouldn't want them to count for like official money or anything, but like, I, I kind of think that the way to pull something like this off would be to basically get, you know, to kind of write off the idea that you're going to get these like big name, crazy wealthy stars to do this stuff. Cause I think they're taking kind of well-deserved time off at, at that time. But I think if you can get like some young guys uh, and float some cash at them, like, and just like, we always had kind of a rule at scratch, which was always kind of like the, the less famous uh, our video subject is the more outlandish the video has to be kind of a thing. And mm -hmm. so like keeping, keeping with that, you know, if you had like, maybe you take the guy, like the, the first four guys that were out at the web tour finals and you do basically like a survival match or something like that, where it's just like 18 holes, like whoever wins, like, you know, gets their card. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's probably stupid, but, um, or like even like an alternate shot, like players and their caddies or like hmm. player, like basically like a member guest or something like, like players get to pick, you know, who they want to play with them or I don't know, something like that. I think would be cool. Yeah. I think Wolf Hammer is probably still a better idea, but uh yeah i don't know just get get crazy as 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 far outside it. the yeah as far outside the box as you can get i'm i'm in it needs Honestly, to happen like, on the euro tour first that's the for other, sure yeah and i know you've you've mentioned this before i think but like whatever kind of whatever our version of the like nba all-star weekend could be yeah i think would be awesome like that maybe that's a cool thing to do like and maybe you could get some guys to do something like that if you had it in like a cool location and you know, it only took one afternoon to film or whatever. Like, that could be cool. Yep. All right. Doug McAfee says, your ashes get to be scattered on one golf hole in the world. Which one? Oh, man. A morbid question. Yeah. That's, uh <laughs> that's a scary question, too. Because, like, I, the, I'm racking my brain trying to think of one. And I, there's not, like, one that sticks out as – there's a few that, like, I thought of. But there's not, like, one that sticks out as this is where it has to happen. Yeah, I I think mine probably would be. I mean, it, it probably would have been one of the holes where, on the course where I grew up, which is now abandoned and overgrown and Whoa. extra depressing. So deep. Um, deep. <laughs> I was kind of thinking, you know, before it was overgrown, but now maybe it makes even more sense. But I don't know. I think I would pick like there's so many famous holes that come to mind that I would like, but like I haven't played a lot of them. So it's it's not that personal of a connection. I don't know. I think I just try to pick the hole where I've had like the most fun playing. And honestly, it might be like number sixteen at like Jack's Beach. Wow. Or something. It's like this shitty, like shitty par five that like, oh, I just love it. It's just awesome. And like, I don't know, something like that might be fun. I thought you were gonna go with something from North Barrick. I know that that course really kind I know, of I was thinking about I was thinking about that too. It speaks to my soul. Yeah. Then uh so that that like the thirteenth in North Barrick came to mind for me, but it was also like between 17 and 18 at the old course, um, that that kind of was, I don't know, to get into play there this year, like in the right setting on like a Friday evening, in the wind, like back tees and kind of 
feel like I conquered that back nine was like the best feeling I've ever had in golf. <laughs> yeah. And that scene of, you know, like just kind of people gathered around watching you finish. And it's like the, the, the best feeling I've ever maybe experienced on a golf course. That, 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 that was what came to mind to me is, what you know, about, uh, what about your hole in one hole? And that, that, that was going to be my runner up is 14 at Brora. Uh, but I haven't really got to experience that hole because I've only got to play one shot on it, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, what, a, what a relatable problem. 334 <laughs> yards, and you just just got to play it the one time, hit the one shot, and that's true. It might be a terrible hole. It might be, for all I know. But uh, I think I blacked out for that whole experience. I don't even remember <laughs> what the hole looks like. I watched a flyover of it on the website the other day. I put that in our Brewer post, but uh, I didn't remember like what it looked like. I really, really didn't. But. Uh, that, that's, that's those funny. are like the three that I thought of when uh, when that question came through. So it's a good yeah, question. I'm gonna, I'm, it is a great question. I'd like to hear what other people yeah. think about that one. Tweet it's, tweet it's, if you have other yeah. good answers that we're not thinking of because I'm sure there's there's better ones out there. But it's not what's your favorite golf hole in the world. That's 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 a question yeah, you kind of exactly. get. This is exactly. like what what's what means the most to you. So um, yeah, I was trying to think of something at Dornick or like Royal County Down or. You know, just kind of some of the some of the places that it was. I don't know. Had so many amazing walks this year that it's hard to really pick out like a, a hole that stuck out to you know. I don't know. So, and uh, plus, yeah, you just don't want to get caught in like a, a too cheesy of an answer. As I said, eighteen <laughs> at the old course. <laughs> um. All right. Seven at Pebble. You know. This, like that. this one, I'm going to lean on you. Um. This is from Brian Adams. If you could take over the PGA Tour for a year, what would you start doing, keep doing, stop doing with the tour? I thought your perspective on this as being a longtime employee of the tour that has moved, has moved away from that, A, you're now freed up to have this discussion, <laughs> and B, kind of have some serious insight into – because I think I, – especially like – let's say go back like three years when we like started this podcast, we would just throw out – anything and everything that should change without real understanding of how things work. So, uh, and I'm starting to, you know, as the curtain gets lifted, starting to see a little bit more about how things work and how essentially money ends up being the bottom line of any conversation. Uh, I thought with your insight into your understanding of exactly how things work, uh, your, you might have some perspective on what you would change. Sure. Well, this is, is probably kind of an, a bit of an unfair answer, I think, but Maybe you'll see where I'm going with it. So I think as you dive into changing anything at a kind of big organization like this, especially a big successful organization, you know, you always run into roadblocks on everything. And that's kind of what you're just got done talking about. It's like things exist the way they do for a multitude of reasons that, that nobody, you know, understands. And that's stuff, everything from, you know, why do they still do tape delay coverage to why is there a 30 minute CBS kind of blackout window between Golf Channel and CBS? Why do they do this? Why do they do that? And like, none of those things are ever done with the intention of like, ah, let's just like mess with people. Like, there's always like, <laughs> there's always a like super complicated reason. And so what I would kind of say to that is like, on some of that stuff, it's like, you know, I know there's there's a reason why this isn't getting done. But like, tough like you have to figure it out like like just make it work like like there i feel like other leagues uh are, are so much better at kind of solving those issues and i mean golf has so many more variables being outside and different venues from week to week and all that stuff and more cameras and blah 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 i, I get all that but like some of it is like you know i know i i think just an ability to like see those roadblocks and push through them and say like 
you know, I know this is tough, but like, let's figure it out anyways, is huge. So that's, that's a very unfair answer without any actual solution. But <laughs> I think that's one thing that, that Jay is so much better at is like, I mean, he's just, he's good at a inspiring people to think like that and kind of tearing down a lot of those roadblocks that existed and, and B just kind of like, I think he's a little more stubborn in like, you know, kind of not taking no for an answer, which is, which is cool. And so as far as specific things, I think one thing that, that the tour, I mean, one thing I know the tour is, is so much more focused on this year, um, for a lot of reasons. And, and again, this was kind of one of Jay's big things that he would, he would talk about at meetings and, and stuff is always this kind of fans first approach, um, which sounds like kind of lame marketing speak, but it, it's really, it's true that like all of these things come back to just making the fan a higher priority. And that's things like making the website as easy to use as possible. It's things like making TV coverage better. It's things like making, you know, changing the way social works and, and doing all of those things. And I mean, they're going to miss, you know, on some of this stuff, but I think the number one priority, which I think it is becoming the number one priority for the tour, and and it's kind of where I think it should be, is is just focus on the fans before anything else. And just like, that's where I think a lot of those roadblocks come from is like, hey, the fans really, 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 really want this. And it's like, well, you know, that's going to be hard for this reason and this reason. It's like, well, like, you know, who cares? Like, make it happen. <laughs> like, the fans should dictate every decision that we make. And so I think they're they're starting to get a lot better on that but you know there's there's still some some work to go there so um i don't know if that's like no, a really that, specific answer but that's kind of a i like macro it. way to think about it i i i appreciate the the roadblocks that come with corporate sponsorships and keeping sponsors happy and and like i said money being the lifeline of of an organization and how just how decisions get made that's just the nature of our entire country essentially um I do sincerely appreciate the tours efforts and understanding in kind of this new era of media, of social media and of, uh, you know, the fact that we have a relationship with them, you know, I could, I could have gone either way. I mean, we were kind of, we were going to say a lot of things that aren't going to make them happy. And, uh, and the, the kind of that, that vibe that we get from the Jay Monahan era is, has me intrigued. It really does have me intrigued. I know it takes time to, you know, steer a battle to turn a battleship or whatever that saying is it um and so it's not not everything can happen at the snap of the fingers and any changes you want my my thing and i we've wasted enough space harping on it um is i would just so much of your product is consumed through television that you got that they should, the tour should have so much say and be a lot more reactive to what uh how that gets presented and I see it in particular, like I watched the golf channel NBC this weekend and it was just like, it was, it was good. Like it was just, especially the golf channel coverage is just so subdued. There's not a ton of talking. They're just showing a lot of golf shots. It's not necessarily all putts and you're not, they're not just ramming narratives down our throats. And then I, I get when you get, you know, the, the CBS and NBC big broadcasts on that you need to be a little bit more narrative based, but man, it's just like, I, I've seen in, I've seen a different way of doing it. I've seen sky sports on the European tour and, I've seen that it can be done differently and it's so much such a better product. And I, maybe I'm just speaking to the, the hardcore golf fans and that might not be their target, you know, who they need to deliver to, but it's, it's, it's no one can watch like a sky sports broadcast and a CBS one and, and have somebody at CBS be like, yeah, we got it. We're nailing it. We're doing it better than them. Like that's just the way, that's just the way it is. So the reason well, I, why I'm so hard on it is that we want change. I've said this a million times on this podcast. We just want change. Like we're not, 
we're not in this for sport. Like we think it legitimately is, is, is hurting the growth of the game. Well, and I think that, you know, like I, I feel the same way about, about watching golf overseas and just the jarring difference it makes, like when you're watching those telecasts and like, I think the key to it is just subtlety. Like, I think it's like, I think you mentioned it. It's, it's, it's not, you know, just beating things to death. And like, I, I feel like so much of the, so much of the U S telecast and, and kind of really like the marketing strategy for a lot of this stuff is just comes from like, like repetition, repetition, repetition. You see a lot of that with like, you know, FedEx cup standings, you see a lot of with president's cup standings. And like, I, you know, I obviously get like the stake that, that those things have, but you know, at the same time, like it's just, it's it's a, such a fine line between like informing and and having people tune out of that stuff and i think you know a lot of that subtlety comes from just making making the actual product as good as it possibly can be and you know kind of people react accordingly if that makes sense you know you, you yep. almost you don't need to keep beating them over the head with it if if the product's good enough so yep. um i think the fedex cup has has come a such a long way like even in the last you know 5 6 years like, look at the finishes, you know, we've had the last two weeks have been insane. Like, like that's awesome. Like, you know, you, you don't need to keep kind of drumming people over the head the week of, you know, Dallas. Like, hmm. let's, let's just like, I, I don't know, focus on kind of the high points instead of, instead of kind of constant repetition and stuff. And as far as, you know, kind of going to, you know, going to one thing that like, I think the question was like, what would you start doing? What would you keep doing? Like, like look at PJ tour live as like such a good example yeah. of, of all these things that we're talking about. You know, it's like, it's subtle, it's consistent, it's good. It's, it's kind of an answer to, it's an answer to so many of these questions that are like, why can't I, you know, fans are screaming, you know, when tiger, you know, PJ tour live started a while ago when, when tigers on the course, uh, Tory pines on a Thursday morning and you can't watch it anywhere. And the tour came up with a solution that was, Hey, all right, cool. Here's the answer. Like, let's, let's do this. Let's go all in and, and really commit to making this really good. And, and obviously it is. So, yep. um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a million things they could be doing a million things they are doing that are all good. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's still, in a, it's in a good spot. It's, it's a big, it's kind of a big ass uh, machine to, <laughs> to be, to be moving around. So, right. It kind of in line with that, there's a question from, uh, his name is either John P. Richards or Lenny Pepperidge. Um, uh, why won't people just appreciate the FedEx Cup? Great fields for four straight weeks at usually good tracks. Uh, you kind of just touched on it there. It's been really good this year. Uh, to me, it's just always going to feel a bit contrived, and it's just it's a cash grab. There's not a lot of like prestige that comes with winning the FedEx Cup other than the $10 million. And there is some FedEx Cup fatigue for how much it gets jammed down our throats. I mean, we've got like projected standings on Thursday mornings in January. And it's like, wait, wait a second here. What is this? And I know I get that, that, you know, again, going back to what we said, that's just how things operate with sponsors and FedEx. You have to show, give them that exposure for the entire year. But um, I don't know. I it just like, goes, it gets I, into yeah, football if, season and it's just kind of, it's just totally. There. And yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, obviously they're working on changing that, I think with kind of some of the schedule reorgs and stuff, but you know, it's, it, it's it's a hard one because FedEx is such a humongous sponsor and also like not for nothing you know the, the fact that FedEx has committed that much money over that long of a period to the tour is is like it's kind of mind-boggling like it's it speaks so like super well of golf i mean i don't want to sound like a PJ tour shill but like it it is crazy that that FedEx has committed all of that 
to the tour and to professional golf and stuff. And so I of course get, you know, them, them needing to get their return on that investment and, and kind of be constantly in the conversation. The only thing I would like to see is just a little more like creativity and how, how that stuff is presented. Like, you know, like a little more, a little more effort on kind of like how, you know, show me like, why, why is this important? you know, in the fourth week of the year, like, why is this important in the eighth week of the year? That kind of stuff is like just showing the standings, like just feels like such a kind of low hanging fruit, like low context way to do it. Whereas, you know, when you start diving in, it's like, you know, I forget the stat. I'm not going to try to figure out the stat, but it's, it's something like, you know, guys who played well in the fall, like that number has translated so much better towards like where they stand in the playoffs and like, like, kind of building that stuff out and like showing why you should care and why this stuff matters is so important and, and like an, an area for improvement, I think. And I think Tron's got a big, he's, he's texted me about this a ton, which um, I don't want to blow up his whole take here before it's, it's formatted, but I think waiting, you know, waiting the regular season a little heavier um, in regards to kind of the playoffs as well, just makes you know, makes all that stuff a little more relevant also. Like, like whether that means, you know, I don't know what that means, whether it means cash for, you know, the regular season winner or like something like that. Um, I think it's just hard to really, it's just hard to, to have it both ways. I mean, it's hard to have a super, you know, intriguing regular season race for position. And it's also, you, you can't have that and a super volatile playoffs where, you know, guys can make these huge moves. Like it's just, you, you can't have it both ways. So yeah. it, it's hard to, I don't know that that's a hard one to kind of square. It's always, it's better than what was there. I always go back to that. It's yeah, way better, sure. way better. Um, it's a cool kind of epilogue to the season is the way I see it. It's not, you know, we're past major season. There's not guys that would give up a FedEx, uh, a major to win the FedEx cup. It's just the way it is. That's fine. It's not, it doesn't need to be better than the majors. I, I think the FedEx cup is okay. Um, it'd be cool if it finished with a playoff, but I know that playoffs don't rate well and your match play doesn't rate well and you don't know what you're going to get. And I've, I've touched on in the past how there's a, I think there's a way you could kind of give, give the top eight by like double buys, give the next eight buys and, Give you know have the next sixteen like the top thirty two essentially the tour championship becomes like a big big match play event at the end and I don't know if you got two guys playing one on one first the difference in seven million dollars I think that's pretty that's pretty interesting other than like last year we end up Rory and what Chapel and Moore were play in a playoff and uh, DJ was sitting around waiting to see if he won the FedEx Cup like I just uh, just I don't know it, it it's I won't go too much further on that I think the FedEx Cup is overall a good thing for golf, but not just not like priority appointment viewing. No, I totally agree. And I think that, yeah, the last thing I'll say on this is I think, I think, you know, kind of by no fault of the tour, like, you know, people tend to, I think people tend to kind of put words in the mouth of the tour a little bit. And they, they did it with the Players' Championship a lot where it's like, oh, the tour is trying to make this the fifth major. And like the, the tour has never, ever, ever no. done that at all. And so I think the f same thing kind of happens with the FedEx Cup where it's like, you know, oh, the tour, you know, wants us to feel like a major, wants us to do whatever. And like, there's a difference between having something that's kind of the same format as a major, like a 72 hole stroke play event and having something that has kind of the excitement of a major. Like, I think those are two separate things. And like, that's why I'd, I'd love to see the FedEx Cup just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know you don't want to get to the end of the season and then mess with the format too much, but like 
you know, just make it totally different. Like make it something that's totally, completely unique and its own. Like I, I think the only mistake you can make with stuff like this is just trying to make it something it's not. And like yeah. trying to make it too close to a major or too close to a WGC or anything like that. It's just like, just, you know, make it its own thing. And like that requires a ton of creativity and experimentation and a lot of different stuff. And so like the players is such a good example. I mean, I know you went there. I don't know if it was your first time this year being there, but like, yeah, you know, it's not a major and it doesn't feel like a major, but it's like really fucking cool. Like it's so fun to be there. And like, uh, so I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of just creativity that's needed and kind of careful branding and careful marketing and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's on the whole, obviously a good thing. It's just, yeah, I think it's got some, got a ways to go. Yep. All right. Uh, Josh Elliott, not the, not the glorious madness, Josh glorious Elliott, madness. but, uh, what pro in their twenties now would make the best announcer or commentator post career? Oh man. Um, I mean, isn't Spieth like, isn't he <laughs> one of these already? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I think he would be great. Um, I'm biased. I know we've already mentioned him a couple of times, but I think Zach Blair would be great. He's, I knew he's got a, He just I has agree. a great perspective on uh, on the game and kind of how things are played and and all of that. Um, man, that's a good question. Let me think. Um, got to have like kind of incentive to go into the booth. Too. It's hard to say because you know if a player has like too good of a career. Oh, I don't know. Sure. Like, I don't. I, think, I don't picture I think, uh, Phil going into the booth. Do you? No, no. But I wish he would. Oh, it'd, it'd be, be amazing. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same way about Tiger. Like every time Tiger's in the booth, it's just it's the best. Like he's yeah. so smart yeah. about like everything that comes along with it. I think, uh, man. I, so okay. So I, I go to a couple of different things. I think you know, there's there's two things you're looking for um, from a commentator, which is like information, like things you know you don't already know, and and then just flat out like entertainment and i think you want to be able to react to you know what they're saying in a in a kind of big way so obviously my pick would be bryson oh um, <laughs> oh that could be really good <laughs> which i think would be awesome like i love i mean how good is it to like watch something like it's so fun to hear something that you don't agree with from the commentator like that, that just makes it so much more engaging yeah i right. love that i like it i'm with you on that one um, and maybe Pat- Patrick Reed in that same. Category, I think would <laughs> them be in the very... booth together. Shut. Like, Reed would be stuffing them in a locker. Like, Shut up, nerd. <laughs> like, there's there's nothing better to me than when a guy like misses a shot and a commentator's just like, oh god, yeah, that was a horrible decision. What a terrible, what a terrible play. And I feel like Patrick Reed would be very good at that. Uh, Simon Cooper says, "I hear a lot of retired pros stop playing regularly after their career. True. Why? And what do they focus on instead? And do they lose their game?" Uh, fishing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to Bacon about this yesterday, actually. He was, he was, uh, he was playing with Azinger and was just kind of asking him what his lifestyle was like. He's like, yeah, you know, I wake up and have breakfast and I, you know, go fishing for like six hours and I come home <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much my life. And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of get it at some point. Like if you've ever, you know, not that, I mean, you're a better player than I am, but not that either of us are, you know, elite, uh, elite golfers by any stands but you know if you've ever gone like without playing for a while and then you go out and you just play so much worse than you know you should like that's a like the worst feeling <laughs> like yeah. it's not fun to do that and so i there's got to be some level of that right where it's like yeah and it's these just, guys have hit their peak you know they've, yeah. they've become the best golfers in the world and then 
they wake up one day and they're not like what i don't think it what's would be the that point and continue and right yeah. it it and i've seen it enough that um you know the last couple of years that it, it it's it's impossible to imagine especially like go back 10 years ago it would have been impossible for me to imagine this being a reality reality for anyone but it's like golf can get boring like if you play it Every day, if it's your livelihood, if you if it's all you talk about, if it's all you're practicing, it can absolutely like burning out is kind of a overused phrase in it, but it can it can just wear you down. And that golf becomes a job, and it is a job. And when you play the best courses in the world every week and can go play wherever you want, that like allure of you know chasing top courses or whatever you're chasing in golf goes away. And once you feel like you've accomplished enough and you've made enough money in it, then, you know, picking up your golf clubs and going and playing isn't necessarily that appealing. I mean, I, I know that I, I say I would experience that to like a 1% you know, level this year and that I was so fortunate to get to play so much good golf in the UK and made sure I did not take any of it for granted. But it, like by the end of it, I was like, you know what? There were days where I was just like, you know what? I'm not grabbing the golf club today. I'm not playing today. I'm going to catch up on work and email and stuff. Like, I'm fine not playing today. Where like that never existed before I went on a run right. of playing two straight weeks, you know? And so imagine these guys doing it for like 30 years. Like, that, <laughs> that appeal of, you know, grabbing the clubs and going playing, uh, it's got to go. And I've talked to a couple guys that like have kind of burned out on playing professional golf. And there seems to be a cycle. And, you know when they've they've given up on professional golf after about after about a year like the itch starts coming back and they go play and they're not thinking about a lot of things and they're like wow I still got some game here like you know maybe I'll give this another shot or whatnot like it, it kind of like people will go through phases where the game kind of goes away from them and then may, it may come back depending on where you left it when you when you left so uh, but yeah I just want to emphasize that like golf is it's a it's such a job and you go and watch these guys practice monday tuesday wednesday and you know go play practice round and then go work on putting drills and it's 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 a job man and it's at some point it does stop being fun i know it looks amazing and glorious and whatnot on tv but it's uh it's definitely a job and some guys just i joke like you know trying to get guys out to go play zb is the exact opposite zb will play (laughs) like three rounds a day if he could but some guys it's like no man the last thing i want to go do is play more golf somewhere else right now so that's just the reality of it so, yep. Um, Richard V. Richard, yeah, Richie V. asked about a question about best games to play during a round. We covered that with Wolfhammer. Alex Newman, for a year, would you rather have to play a wood setup of three, five, seven, nine, and eleven in the bag, or Volvix? <laughs> you can choose the color of Volvix. Um, I don't spin the ball that much, like especially around the green. So I think I'm going to pick the Volvix. You can like, play a white Volvic too, right? I yeah, I, yeah, that's true. I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't think the ball makes as big a difference for me as, uh, as anyone, you know, as shout a, out to, a shout super high end player. Shout out to Volvic, new sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> um, they might as well be. They're getting more mentions than anyone else here. It's, it's. I don't. I, I'm such a bad like fairway wood player that I mean that would just give me like PTSD if I had to start around with all the all that. Would be uh, no good couple more here, and I know we're going long, but I no problem with these. We had a lot of really good questions. But uh, Jeremy Schilling said, as you've spent a bunch of time inside the ropes lately, what has surprised you most, and what don't we get to see on TV that's resonated with you? 
I'll first put it to you because you've, I mean, you've been essentially on, on the ground for, for many, many years. What, what was something, do you remember when you first started doing it was something that was initially kind of surprising to you or, or just the biggest kind of difference when you go to a tournament and see it versus what we see on TV? Yeah, I think it's like, this is kind of, kind of contradictory probably, but I think on some level it's a, how far it's how far some guys hit it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean like Dustin Bubba, like, like seeing those guys in person is like jarring. It's just crazy. The lines that they take, like this year was one of my favorites. I just stood, uh, stood with Tron for a while behind the 16th tee at Sawgrass and just watched like those guys take, you know, the lines that they took, like where they go over, over trees that like, I didn't even think were like in play and, and stuff. And it's like, it's so that's awesome to watch. But then the other thing, like on the flip side of that is like how far, uh, how far kind of like the medium guys, like don't hit it or, or kind of like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm with you, you know, like I've, I've played with you and I'm, I played with, uh, with two guys at Sawgrass yesterday that, you know, are, are both kind of, high-end amateurs like have played on tour and stuff and and like i mean you hit it as far as those guys do but the the difference is I mean, you want to say that louder it. you want to say it louder? they just well the the second the other shoe to drop here is that they just do everything else better than you <laughs> like it's just like i mean it's just nuts like they, they just don't miss like anything it's just it's so crazy to watch watch like kind of it's so fun like I, I can't recommend enough like if you're a hardcore golf fan and you get a chance to go to a tournament like it's fun to follow super big names for a while, but just go follow like some middle of the pack guy for 18 holes or nine holes or whatever, and just watch him like build his round and just watch where he picks spots to hit and watch how far he hits and try to figure out what clubs he's hitting and stuff. Because like, you know, if you're, if you're a decent player, like it's, it's not crazy off of, you know, what, what the other guys are doing. You know, I, I played with Luke Guthrie yesterday and, you know, he's usually, maybe a half an iron or an iron longer than me. Like it's not insane. The The difference is like, he just never misses yeah. <laughs> ever, you know? And it's like, it's just so fun to watch guys with like ultra consistency like that. Yeah. I think, uh, to answer the question for me, it's, it's how it's kind of along the lines of what you said about how impressive some things are that you see. And honestly, how unimpressive certain things are in that, man, it's, these guys are not, they are so far from so much further from perfect than I imagine. Um, and that they make a lot of mistakes. They miss, you know, in certain spots, but it's like, if you put, if you know, they, they've missed a wedge from the middle of fairway sometimes and put it in the bunker and you and I do that a lot. And, but you put us in that bunker, it probably means bogey. Whereas right. for these guys, it takes so many consecutive mistakes for them to just make one bogey in that, but they do make a lot of mistakes and that's just kind of where, I don't know. I, I just, in my head, think that with that with that much practice, guys should hit the fairway every single time, and they don't <laughs> even come close. Like, it's, right. it, you know what I mean? But it doesn't bother yeah. them. It's it's not, you know. It's, so for me, it, it's helped me with my game in that, man. I'm just I'm not good enough to get mad at at, at any shot. <laughs> like you're not ever good enough to get mad because there's dudes out there. I like Phil shanked a bunker shot yesterday. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, how could I ever get mad for hitting a shank? It's not like I physically know what went wrong in my head. You know what I mean? So, and, totally. the, and the other thing is just like, these dudes are, and it's, and it's, I don't know, but kind of high level to say, but these guys are just really normal human beings that are good at golf. And it's so much easier to relate to than say 
like an NFL player, an NBA or MLB, like these guys that are more physical specimens and uh, just have these, it's just hard to, you know, I don't know, golfers are just kind of easier to relate to the way that, you know, they're individuals versus like, I don't know. I feel like for a, just a, in my experience, like there's not like football bloggers that get great relationships with <laughs> with professional like offensive linemen for, you know what I mean? So it's just, just so much easier to relate to because I've yeah. been around competitive golf growing up and that's what it kind of starts to feel like out there. Like you see the same guys at the same tournaments growing up, like in, you know, just around Ohio where I did. And you know, it's not nearly the same level, of course, but it still has that kind of same feeling. Like these are just the guys that rise to the cream, but they're just still normal dudes that happen to be really, really good at this sport. And you see them off the course and there's nothing impressive about them other than their, how normal they are and how it's, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe I've, it's, you get used to that so, so much faster than I, than I would have thought you would have. And that's just kind of the, the thing that's resonated the most with me. Yeah, I think that's where it it's so fun to me like to f- start following those guys. Like it, it's so much more fun sometimes to follow those guys, like follow their careers than it is kind of like, you know, the the top-notch superstars. I think that's where kind of the whole Streb Nation thing comes from is like, you know, you go meet Robert Streb and hang out and like have a beer and talk with him for a while and it's like, "Oh, man, like you're like a professional athlete. Like how <laughs> weird is that?" <laughs> like and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I got to go like pick up my my daughter from daycare and then I got like a, I got to go mow the yard and I got to go do all this stuff. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's like what it would be like if I was a professional athlete. Like that's very normal. Cool. Yeah. Normal is the word I use all the time. And it's, it's, there's, there's not a guy out there that doesn't seem normal once you start, start talking to him. So, um, couple more and then we'll wrap this. Joe Mayberry says, what's next for golf media as the youth movement continues to shine pods and social media are definitely not going anywhere, but what else? We're going to skip this question, but all I'm going to say is just stay tuned. We got some, <laughs> we got some stuff coming. So Got some stuff. Got some stuff got coming. Some stuff. Coming yeah. very soon, actually. So, uh, Last one I have written down. Uh, Joe Shearer said, could the buddy pairing tear up Spieth Reed in the President's Cup? How do you think they're going to – how are they going to do the pairings for this this group at the President's Cup? You know, you've, you're, you've had President's Cup fever a lot longer than I have. I'm going to let you take this one. What do you think? You think I have President's Cup fever? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like the team aspect of it. I'm not, I'm not all in on uh, the P Cup, as they say it on the tour. Um, I'm just not like – my juices aren't flowing for the actual competition, but I, I do find the team aspect very it's, interesting. It's not going to be close, right? No. No. My, like, I, one of my favorite I, things is to be obnoxiously cocky about the U.S. team <laughs> like to the point where I, I don't care if they lose. I legitimately don't, but I'm just going to be so obnoxious. No, I, I kind of hope they do lose because, I, I mean, Same. I think it would be super interesting, but, like, they're not going to. Like, I, I was no. kind of trying to figure out if there would be, like, some way it could statistically, like, be over by Saturday. But, I don't, you know, I don't think there is, but... Um, Tong Chai Jai D is not walking <laughs> through that door. <laughs> That's right. No doubt. Um... So I think it, how the easy way to make this fall out is you keep Spieth and Reed together and pair JT and Ricky. Um, honestly, I don't think that JT and Spieth would necessarily want to be paired and do that whole circus. And like, yeah. I honestly think that's kind of already been ruined. And hearing, you know, if you listen to last November's episode 58 of the No Laying Up podcast <laughs> with Jordan Spieth, Spieth mentioned how Reed was mad at him for pairing up with DJ for a round at the 2015 President's Cup. Um, so I think that like legitimately there is this speed read thing is going to, is going to stay together and that, uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I have no inside info. This is just kind of speculation. I, I'm not sure how much speed enjoys kind of being the, 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 
you know, passenger in the passenger seat in that pairing. But I think we're going to see that pairing stay together just to avoid Reed starting World War Three. <laughs> I think for what it's worth, like even if they had never met before, I think JT and Spieth would probably be a good pairing. I mean, they they have very different styles of game. Like I think they would complement each other super well if yeah. they were paired together. But... Got to run that through Captain Reed though, and uh, <laughs> I don't think that's getting through. So. Um, all right, Deej, this was one of our longest episodes ever, um, and we are paying you by the hour, so I think <laughs> I want... Uh, I got a couple more things we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Run out the four corners offense here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anything else we missed? Anything? Oh, I just want to note the, the the tour, the web tour, and the PJ tour are off this week. Walker Cup this week. Walker Cup. I'm pumped for yeah, the Walker Cup. That's going to be... What are the television schedules like for that? I put you on the spot there. Do you know what the... Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would okay. I would recommend hitting up Shane, Sugar Shane Bacon for that information. Wait. Yep. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to watch. I'm excited to watch that and kind of for them to have their own week uh, for that. Um, otherwise, man, thank you for uh, the time. Yeah, we crushed no a lot of these. Good, and No doubt. Good golf coming up. BMW good. would be great. And then uh, got the President's Cup and the, the big one, the Web Tour Championship here in Jacksonville. It's, NLU is going to be in full force at the Web Tour Champ. It's going to be super fun. A lot Can't going wait. on. A lot going yeah. on. So, All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming all on. All right, man. Cheers. Uh, Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different?